You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Turn in your Bibles over to uh, 1 John. Great to be together this morning. How's everybody doing? Uh, this is our uh, first time back in our space. We're, gonna, we're building a church starting here, right, in this place and uh, in this part of, uh, of the city. And uh, we were here on Easter, and this is our first time back. So we're glad, that, glad to be together, glad to be back in the kind of our regular space. We're going to be here the next few weeks. And uh, we're doing a series called Faithful Friendships um, that I will show you here. This is kind of all the stuff that we're doing. I know it's kind of small. This is taken from our website. Uh, but just so you know where we've come from, um, we, the last time we were doing this series, uh, the first week, uh, Wade k- kicked it off, and it was called uh, Living in the Light. And then uh, our last week was called uh, Restoration of Intimacy. I'll give you a little, I know some of you, that was Mother's Day, a lot of you were other places with your moms, so I'll kind of give you a recap of what that was. But sort of to set the tone for today, I want to play a little uh, sound clip. This is from a uh, podcast called This American Life. You might have heard of, but it's a great podcast on uh, just tells different stories of people's lives. Uh, uh, this American life is pretty broad, so it's basically any good story from America. And uh, in this particular episode, uh, the, the episode was entitled No Fair, and uh, they were talking about, um, you, you know, just the, the issue of fairness and uh, uh, kind of in general. And that, there's usually one thread that kind of goes through all the stories. But the first story or the first... Um, kind of set up for this was uh, this preschool of one of the uh, producers of the show uh, had a problem of kids continually tattling on each other. And anybody who's done preschool, you know what that's like. And so the, the, it was just, the teachers had this great idea. They said, let's do this. Let's take this old phone, put it in a Kleenex box and hang it on the wall. And we said, that's the tattle phone. So if you need to tattle on somebody, there you go. Use the tattle phone. So they were using this for a while. It was just a fake phone, you know. And uh, but the pr- producer, one of his kids, goes to the school, and he found out about it. He's like, "Wouldn't that be cool if we could hear what they're saying onto that phone?" And so he got permission from the school. They asked all the parents, you know, "Are the parents going to be okay if we try to do that?" And all the parents were like, "Yes, please," you know. <laughs> so uh, so they 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 made the tattle phone actually record. They put an outgoing message that basically says, "Hi, you've reached the tattle phone. Tell me what the situation is." And so then they recorded them. So I just wanted to play a few of those recordings for you here. Eli told me a lie. Seamus wasn't sharing with me, and I don't like it, and I'm very upset. I'm up, Mason, farted in my face, and I said, yuck, Nathan. Catch that one? Nathan farted in my face, and I said, yuck, Nathan. But the real crime? Ramona's not listening to my teacher, Mr. Evan, but he's my favorite teacher. And I know him, and I know he's mad at me, but I don't want him to be, so I'm trying my best to listen. Um, my friend Simone said no at me. <laughs> my friend Simone. It's always their friends who are bugging them. My friend Jack was in my face while I was waiting to go to an area, and that made me really upset. Eli hit me, Eli hit me. Um, when I'm playing family with Simone, according to 
keeping me awake while I'm trying to sleep. Pretend sleep. Can I just say, I'm not sure that one is actionable. You're pretending to sleep and complaining that someone is waking you up? I don't know. People are not sharing the telephone. <laughs> so the last one we did here, people are not sharing the tattle phone. Uh, the best tattle is the one with the sing song to it. Eli hit me. Uh, but, you know, I, I wanted to play that because relationships are the most rewarding thing in life. I mean, if you ask anyone towards the end of their life, maybe in their final stages or on their deathbed, what mattered the most, it's their relationships. And yet relationships are also the toughest thing in our life. That causes us the most grief, that causes us the most pain, that's just so hard, you know, that it's the, it's the most rewarding but also the most challenging thing in our life. And so it's not, it's not a, a, any... Um, so I kind of maybe surprised that that's the thing that Jesus talked about one of the most uh, in, uh, in his teachings the most is our relationships, how we treat other people, uh, how, to, how to respond when someone hurts you. And he modeled relationships that kind of if you define his ministry, that's really what it was. It was really building friendships uh, with his disciples. And so these principles of Jesus, of his, of his teachings, they will help your relationships be better. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus, these ideas and these things that he taught, these principles will help. Even if, if, if you don't believe, and our, our goal, if you're a guest today or if you're visiting with us or you're kind of new to this community, is that you become a believer, that you do put your faith in Jesus, and that even through putting some of these principles into practice, you will see that, wow, Jesus' ways really work. But um, we, we left off uh, last week with this verse in 1 John 2 I want to read to you. 1 John 2 verse 1. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That was the last verse we read, and we went through 1 John 1, where it talks about how God is light, in Him there's no darkness, and yet what we end up doing is we end up being afraid of the light and we hide in the darkness but God the, the whole plan of Jesus is so that we don't have to remain in darkness but that we can come into the light and that we can have intimacy because uh, the, the very first story and one of the first stories in the Bible the first story of humans in the Bible is the story of Adam and Eve and what happens with Adam and Eve is they end up hiding because of their sin uh, they, uh, Adam says I was afraid and so I hid and Larry Crabb in his book uh, encouragement, and I'm, a lot of these principles we're kind of talking about, I'm taking from that book. He describes what he calls a surface community. A surface community. Because what happens is we have fear in the core, and, uh, and Adam had fear in his core. We have fears and anxieties, and, we, and we're afraid of being hurt. And we learn that really early. We learn that, you know, in middle school to be afraid. Of, and so we, we develop the, these protection mechanisms around us, these walls around us, so nobody can kind of get to our inner core. And so we end up having a community that's all surface. And you might have experienced this in your office, you know, or, or uh, I mean, I remember my, I had a, a career for six years in an office environment. And, uh, you know, I just remember sometimes the relationships being so shallow, you know, you pass the person in the hall and it's like, hey, Monday, man, yeah, that's well, Tuesday. You know, Wednesday, hump day, you know, you kind of don't have anything that's it's just so surfacey, you know. Uh, hey, how was your weekend? You know, and that's the first part of the, of the week. How was your weekend? And then towards the end of the week, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You know, it's just, you know what I mean? There's no real connections so often. We, we develop these, and not that, you know, every relationship has to be a deep relationship, but we, we get to where no one really knows us, 
and, and we don't really know others. And what true intimacy is, is to be known and to know another person in both internal and external worlds. So both the outside you, but also the inside you is known uh, by someone else. And that's what everyone really, really wants. Uh, they might not admit it, but everyone really wants that. Even if you, you know, if, you, if they do studies with the most hardened criminal, you know, that seems like they has no conscience, but they really want intimacy. They really want to be known and, and to know others. Um, and, uh, and so God designed a way for us to, to be brought back into intimacy, and that's through Jesus Christ, that he would be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and that in grace and, and forgiveness, we are able to be real. We are able to open up. Grace is the place to face the real you. Grace is the place to face the real you. When you really understand grace, it allows you to, to not have that defense anymore. Because God already knows anyway. Every thought, every action, every deed, he already knows. And, yet, and so that's why Jesus came. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus came as a substitute uh, of perfection for us. Now we respond to that though. And so what, what Larry Crabb goes on to describe is that the, the, the solution to true intimacy is not just total openness, but it's what he calls uh, a framework of commitment. And that's the title of the lesson today. A framework of commitment is, is the answer. Not just total openness, but a framework of commitment. And, and what I mean is this. So, so let's say that, um, and we're going to continue in, in 1 John here, uh, but let's say that um, Brian Hood, I saw Brian Hood in the parking lot. Where is Brian? Oh, there he is. Okay, there he is. He's got his sunglasses on because he's trying to hide something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let's say, let's say Brian and I haven't been getting along. And, uh, you know, so I want to I talk to Brian and I want to have total openness. So I say, Brian, you know, I, everything that you're doing, it just drives me nuts. Like, I, I can't stand the sound of your voice. I mean, I just don't want to be around you. Uh, you did this and that bothered me. You did this and that bothered me. I mean, I just, I mean, here's how I'm really feeling. I'm just being open, just being, just sharing, being transparent here. Like I can't stand even the sight of that, that beard. You know what I mean? Like now, now Brian is, I, I, I picked on Brian because I think he's secure in our relationship. <laughs> But, but that's, so that's what Larry Crabb is saying. He's saying it's not just openness. You know, I mean, you can have openness, but it, there, there has to be a framework of commitment where we're committed to each other. And, and the relationship has, ha, has a framework to it. It's not just blatant openness, but it's openness in the context of commitment. So, we're, so that's what we're talking about today is that idea of the framework of commitment and what does that look like. And we're going to be reading from 1 John 2, continuing in 1 John. So if you haven't already turned over there, turn over there. I believe we also have some free Bibles back there. If you need a Bible, you can, if you're a guest or whatever, you can grab a Bible. Nellie's saying, no, we're out of them. So we have to order some more. <laughs> Share it with someone next to you. We'll get more. 1 John uh, 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command, 
its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It's a little confusing there. That, is it a new command or is it an old command? Which is it? And, and we'll explain that here in a minute. Verse 9, anyone who claims to live in the light or to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So it's interesting. So 1 John 1 is all about light and darkness and the contrast between the two, what it means to light, walk in the light, what it means to walk in the darkness. Here he's equating being in the light with good relationships, loving relationships, loving your brother and sister, and being in the dark with problem relationships, hating your brother, hating your sister. Isn't that interesting that that's, when I think of walking in the light, I think more like, okay, you know, I'm being open, I'm not, I don't have secrets, you know, I'm not hiding what I'm doing on my computer, or, you know, I'm not secretly, you know, flirting with someone at the office, or, you know, I mean, that's what I kind of think about when I think of light versus darkness. But here he's talking about relationships, how you feel about other people. John is is pointing to that as being either in light or in darkness. So it must be pretty important, right? It must be pretty important to God how we treat other people. And we're going to look at two things in this passage. Number one, the commitment of Jesus, and number two, the community of love. So the commitment of Jesus and the community of love. I want to say a prayer here before we kind of dig in and make sure the Spirit is guiding what we're doing. Let's ask for God's blessing. God, I pray that you would uh, just guide our thoughts. Uh, speak to us by your Holy Spirit, every person here from your word as we're digging into these verses and, and talking about our relationships. We want our relationships to glorify you, God. We want you to be uh, lifted up in everything that we do. We want to, to be a community of love that Jesus would be proud of and that, that is what he envisioned and what he established in his time here on earth and, and that we could make an impact in our community, the South Bay. I pray that you would be with us in this time and, and speak to us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the commitment of Jesus, number one. You know, John says, do what he commands. That might seem kind of obvious, but it's amazing how many people in America say, I'm a Christian, but don't do what Jesus commanded, right? If you look at the teachings of Jesus, if you look at what he said and how he lived, so many people say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but, but their life doesn't reflect it at all. Now, that, we, we don't do what he commanded so that we earn his favor. So, okay, I want to do enough things so God will love me. That's not what I'm talking about, but it being a follower of Jesus, it means listening to what he said. If you're a, um, an employee and you start a new job and you have a guy who's training you and, and that guy or that girl is, is, is teaching you, you know, this is how you do this job. And, and usually any job starts like that. You usually have somebody who's kind of training you and walking you through it. And you're just ignoring everything they say. You go, well, I, I think this is how it should be. Or I think I should do it this way. I have a better idea, you know. You're not going to last very long on that job, right? Because, and you, you could, if you tell that, if they have a talk with you and you say, you know, let's say Jerry is your supervisor or Jerry is the guy training you, and, you know, I go, well, I, I like Jerry. I believe Jerry. I think Jerry's a great guy. I just, I just, this is how I'd do it. You know, that's not going to fly, right? Because he's there to be teaching you and training you how to do it. So it's a, that's what Jesus came to do is to teach and train us how to live to show us the way to the Father. He said, Every, the only way through the Father is through me. And here he says, anyone who claims to live in him must what? 
walk as Jesus did. It's do what he says. Uh, the new translation says live as he lived. So, so really, the commitment of Jesus should be the starting point for, for Christianity is, is following it, putting it into practice. And relationships are where Jesus' teachings are best fulfilled, are best, are best followed. It's in relationships. You think about some of the things that Jesus said. You know, just the, the basic one I think we probably all know, do to others as you would have them do unto you or treat others the way you want to be treated. That's just a basic principle of Jesus, but so few people practice it. And what a, revela- what a revolution in relationships if you really, really practice that. You know, I, 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 need, to, I need to challenge this person. I need to tell them how I'm feeling. But I, I'm going to tell them in a way that I would want to be told if I were the one who was the offender. Or, you know, um, or on the job, I need to show this person how they, how they messed up. I want to show them in a way that is how I would want to be shown if I had messed up or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're constantly doing to others as you would have them do to you. Um, you know, another principle in, in Matthew 5, 24, he says, if you're going to the altar to, to give your gift to God, and this is in the, the Old Testament covenant time where you would come with gifts to the, to the altar, and you, you're there and you're there with your gift and you're about to, to worship God and you go, wait, I remember my brother has something against me. Jesus says, leave your gift at the altar. Stop worshiping and go be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. That's how important relationships are, that you don't leave it alone. Boy, I think even in the church, we don't follow that sometimes. We let things go. We go, oh, well, that's all right. They, we just don't get along, me and that person or me and that person. You just leave it alone. But Jesus says, even if you're at the altar, I'm about to worship God. Jesus says, no, no, don't even worship God. Go get reconciled first. What if we were a community that really practiced that? You know, another one, uh, Matthew 18, 15. Jesus says, if your brother sinned against you, go and show it to your brother. He says, just between what? The two of you. What do we want to do? Well, first I want to get advice, you know. First I want to, first I want to tell, I'm bouncing off my wife, bouncing off my friends. You know, tell everybody else except that person. There's a reason Jesus said to do it that way. Because a lot, of t- a lot of issues clear up if you just go to that person and then you tell them, not just venting like I did with Brian, but you tell them in a way that you would want to be told as you would have them do unto you. Ephesians 4.29 only was helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. So if I, ha- if I have something against Brian, first I just talk to Brian. Brian, can I share something with you? Okay, I know you didn't probably intend this, but when you speak that way, Here's how, I, here's how I react. Maybe it's my fault, but here's how I react, you know. So I just wanted to tell you first. And Brian's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. You know, and then we're, okay. Instead of going to all these other people, hey, does Brian talk like this? Have you noticed this? That's what we do in our church, guys. I've heard this before. It's not, right? It's not just me. Maybe just people tell me because I'm the minister, but. <laughs> oh, have you talked to them? No. Okay, well, that's the first point. The first starting point. Now there is a, you know, he says, Matthew 18, if he doesn't listen, then take two or three others along. You know, or then you kind of go, get other people involved. But start, start with that. Um, I remember years ago, Kevin Maines, awesome brother, uh, amazing minister, he passed away. I remember thinking hard about this verse because he was doing something that bothered me. And it's such a minor thing, you're going to think it's stupid. But he would call me, and I was working in the ministry, he's working in the ministry, he's kind of my supervisor. So he would call me. And I can tell you, because I already told him, plus he's with the Lord, so he's doing well. You know, I can't tell him. 
If I told him now, that would be like speaking to the dead, which you're not allowed to do. So, um, so anyway, he, he would leave a voicemail and, and say, I'm trying to get a hold of you or whatever. And then like maybe 10 minutes later, he would leave another voicemail. Hey, Brian, hey, this is Kevin, just trying to reach it. You know, then maybe another half an hour goes by. Brian, this is Kevin, just trying to get a hold of you. Give me a call. Might leave four, maybe five messages. And, and for me, it, what it made me feel was like, you should be answering your phone. Why can't I get a hold of you? Uh, you know, what are you doing that's more important than me, you know, getting a hold of you about this issue? Uh, I don't know. I just read so much into it. It just bothered me. And it's happened multiple times. And what I wanted to do so bad was like call Marco and tell him about it. You know, call some other minister. Hey, does he do this to you? And, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, I, I just wanted so bad. I didn't want to talk to him. I just wanted to talk to everybody else and complain. You know what I mean? I just want to complain about Kevin so bad. But it's like, I know that what I need to do first is just tell him how it makes me feel. And it, I just didn't want to because it's kind of stupid, you know? Like, but I told him, and you know how Kevin is. Kevin's like, oh, oh, bro. <laughs> you know, he's like, how do I feel about Brian Craig? Brian Craig does so much. He's worked so hard, you know? <laughs> like, that's the last thing I want you to feel. You know, he just goes over the top. <laughs> You know, he was just, I don't know, he, maybe he wanted credit that he was calling me again. I don't know why he was doing that. I can't remember. But, but it was just so helpful just to, to follow that command of Jesus, right? Matthew 18. Uh, it says in, in the same chapter in Matthew 18, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart, God will not forgive you. That's a really tough one. And forgiveness is a big issue. We, we'll talk more about because that's a big issue. But, but Jesus does say we have to forgive. That if, if you feel like I can't ever get there. By the power of God, you can absolutely forgive. And forgiveness sets your heart free. If you're here today and you have bitterness or you're trapped in unforgiveness, that is, bitterness is the poison that you drink and hope the other person will die. You're drinking the poison going, oh, I just want to kill them, uh, you know, and you're just killing yourself. Uh, and, and so forgiveness sets your heart free. But anyway, think about these commands of Jesus when it comes to relationships. And I just kind of breeze through them because you know a lot of them. You know what Jesus said. It's a matter of are we doing it? Are we having that level of commitment that Jesus had? Um, it, why, why, do we not, uh, why do we not have the security in God that Jesus had, you know, to, to really invest, pour ourselves out in relationships? Because here's, here's what I think happens. It's that fear. We're afraid that what about me? What about my needs? You know, what, if, I, if I'm the one that follows the teachings of Jesus, what if they don't, right? What if I get taken advantage of? Uh, what if I get hurt? And we, we had a, um, we've been meeting in, in small groups um, for the marrieds in D groups, we call them, discipling groups. So just like the guys get together, just the girls get together the last couple months. So we met maybe four times, I think five times. We've been meeting at the park, our group, about four of us and meet at the park and uh, pray. But Mark uh, Sijimoto had us talk about relationships a, a couple times and, and read a scripture, a thought, and kind of share about relationships. And a lot of us were sharing, you know, what, what one of the problems in our, our, our relationships is sometimes we feel like we don't want to be taken advantage of or we, we don't want to chase somebody. Like, I, I'm chasing them, and they don't seem to want to reciprocate. So it's kind of like I'm emptying myself you know what I mean? And it's like, this isn't a reciprocating relationship, you know? Or, um, or sometimes uh, m maybe we, we, uh, 
their problems kind of can become our problems. Like, like say you're trying to help somebody and, and their sin is like keeping me awake at night, you know, or, or their marriage. Now my wife and I are fighting about their problems, you know, like what happened, you know, that kind of thing, you know, where, where it's it almost, it's, it's knocking us off of center. Do you know what I mean? Like trying to help this other person, trying to have this good relationship, it's, it's hurting me. And that's a real thing. I mean, uh, in Galatians 6, Paul says, carry one another's burdens. And if someone's caught in a sin, those of you who are spiritual should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves that you are not tempted because, because you can get knocked off center. And that's where Jesus, his commitment to God, his security in God is such a perfect example for us in our relationships because he was completely secure in God. And he was such a great balance of he cared about people he forced his way into people's lives like you think about you know him him going to Zacchaeus and going hey Zacchaeus I'm coming to your house today like he forces his way into Zacchaeus's life or the woman at the well he kind of forces his way into her life and her situation but he doesn't chase people either like the guy the the, the rich young man remember he goes away sad and does Jesus chase after the rich young man hey no wait 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 come back you know He'll say something hard and all the people leave and, and he tells his disciples, hey, do you guys want to leave too? Do you know what I mean? So, 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 so he, he loves people, he pours himself out, but he also doesn't chase people. He has a good kind of, a good sense of autonomy. Do you know what I mean? Like he has a good, he, he's, he's secure in God. And the Bible says that. It says like in, in John 10, 18, it says, I can lay down my life, no one takes it from me. So Jesus went all the way to the cross but it was his decision. He says, I can lay down my life. No one takes it from me. In, in, in John 2, verse 24, it says, he would not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in a man. So Jesus poured himself out, but he didn't entrust himself to people. Do you know what I mean? So, so I, I say that because we need to have great relationships, but your sense of self-worth should not be dependent on another person. And you can't lose your own self autonomy Like, like, I remember feeling at times in the church, like, they're struggling. That's my fault. No, it's not. I do what I can, and I show them the way, but they just stand before God all by themselves, and I stand before God all by myself. You know what I mean? So we got to have that kind of good, it's not, it's not like a selfishness, but, a, but I, I call it autonomy, a good sense of autonomy. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, which means what? You love yourself first, right? It's okay to love yourself if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. We deny ourselves, we carry a cross and follow, but still, Jesus says, that's my decision to do that. Instead, it says, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly, 1 Peter 2, 23. He trusted God, so he laid down his life. Does that make sense? It's kind of a big, a deep issue, but I, the thing I like is that Jesus is our example in this framework of commitment. And we, we can look at him, what would he do? How did he love people? How much did he, you know, how far did he go with people? Uh, and so the question is, what does the love of Christ demand? And I want to give you a challenge to, to jot something down, you know. What does the love of Christ demand in your life, in your relationships? Is there, is there one or two relationships you think, here's what I should do. I need to grant forgiveness in this relationship. I need to share my faith in this relationship. This person I, I've never even shared about the gospel with. I need to rebuke this person or challenge them because they, they're in sin, you know, and, I, and I'm not loving them by letting them keep doing what they're doing. That's not love. Maybe it's, I need to be open with this person about how they've hurt me. You know, I've never really talked to them about how I've been hurt in this relationship, and I need to, I need to open up. 
Maybe it's, I need to give this person encouragement. I need to show them empathy. I need to give them support. They're, they're, they're doing a lot for God, and they don't even know that I like them. You know, like, I need to encourage them. And uh, we're going to talk next week about encouragement. But what does the love of Christ demand of you? And what happens is, Francis Chan says, our own sanctification happens as we minister to others. In other words, God uses those relationships and ministering to others to make us more like Jesus. So you go, what would Jesus do? Okay, I'm going to try it. We try it, we fail, but we still learn, and God makes us better. And and even though we fail, we have Jesus, and we have grace, as as we'll talk about when we take communion. Um, Okay, so moving on. I have more on that, but I'll save it for another week. Number two, uh, the community of love. 1 John 2, verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've heard since the beginning. This old command is the message that you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because darkness is passing, the true light is already shining. And we talked about, you know, the relationships being the thing that... that, uh, and, and how we love our brother and sister being what John is talking about. What is this thing about the old command or new command? Uh, well, scholars think he's referring back to um, what Jesus said. And, and John, the same person, I believe, wrote John, the, book, the Gospel of John, and then wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the epistles. And so in the Gospel of John, he records in, in John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so, is, is loving others a new command? Well, no, it's, it's, it's there in the Old Testament. That love your neighbor as yourself. So the greatest commandment is to love God. Second greatest is to love others. So it's not a new command. Well, why does Jesus say it's a new command? He says, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So it's kind of a new level of love. So it's both an old commandment and a new commandment. So that's what John is saying. It's a new commandment. It's also an old commandment. And that is to love others. Uh, To have a framework of commitment that forms a community of love. And it's interesting. He says, this is how the world is going to know who I am. This is how the world is going to know that you are my disciples. This is how the world will be reached. What does he not say? He doesn't say the world will know by the rituals you practice. He doesn't say the world will know by the sermons that you preach. You gather people and you hear the message preached. He doesn't say the world will know by the righteous deeds that you perform in my name. He doesn't even say the world will know by the books that you write, even though they did write books and even though they did pass along the teaching. He doesn't say, the martyr death that you will die, that's how the world will know. How does he say? The world will know by the love that you have for each other. The relationships of you, my followers, that's what will show the world. And that's the thing, if you look at Christian history, that's the thing Satan tries to attack. That's the thing where where the church always falls short as we fragment and we fight and we we don't display but in the in the beginning they did and that is what won over the roman empire it was these christians love each other so much what are we going to do with them they pray with each other they sacrifice for each other they love people there they love our poor more than we love our poor you know the romans said this love the relationships this 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 uh the the community of love the evangelism you know when we think about evangelism it it shouldn't be just like okay i want to tell people that God exists or I just want to I, I show people who Jesus is or I want to get people in the Bible. That's all true. 
but it's I want to show people a community of love. And I think uh, I think Seely is a great example of this. You know, Seely yeah. is uh, was was restored a few years ago. He was baptized. Well, it was probably like 19 years ago, right? 2000, and then left left for a long time. But came back and and uh, has been growing and growing in his faith. But but we were having worship team practice. Seely is singing songs and playing bass and stuff on our worship team. And uh, he, uh, he was sharing in our worship team the other day. He's like, I grew up knowing the Bible. I grew up knowing, hearing all these stories. I knew the truth. It was just I wasn't seeing people who were doing it, who were practicing it. And I didn't see like a community of love. So, so for me, it's like what I got to do is, is show people you guys, he said to the worship team. I got to get people like I got to have a barbecue, you know, like I got to show people. And that's so much how Jesus operated. You know, he, he served fish tacos on the beach, Jesus did. John 21, if you want to look it up. Fish tacos on the beach. That's Sealy, you know what I mean? Fish tacos on the beach. Oh, he'd have a boom box too. Maybe Jesus. Uh, but that, that's, what, that's the way that we got to reach out. Church is not, you know, if you're visiting with us, and people come from different backgrounds, but in the Bible, church is not a building that you go to, and it's not an event you attend, like, okay, I'm going to attend a church. It's a family that you belong to. It's not a building you go to. It's not an event you attend. It's a, it's a family you belong to. And so how are we going to show the world our family? I mean, we could bring them here to this group. We can bring them here to church. Here at the Botanic Gardens, they can hopefully see our relationships. I think a better way is having smaller groups. And so our church, we, we, we have small groups, and we're, we're kicking that off again. We're starting this week on Wednesday with our, our new small groups, and we're trying to make them smaller. Why are we trying to make them smaller? Because the, the smaller the group, the more people are engaged, the more people are involved, the more things you can do together. It's not so hard. Okay, we've got to get 26 people and try to go do this. It's okay, we're going to get 12 people and go do this. You know, it just makes it easier. Um, and, and we're those groups are, are, are ideally made of different people from different walks of life. And there's singles and there's marrieds and there's teenagers and there's young and there's old, but we learn from each other. It's a diverse group. And I, I just want to encourage you as we are uh, kicking off the new s small group season to, to, to think about that group. Like how can we make this a community of love that, that shows the world we're disciples? Like that should be, if everyone has that mindset, not like, are my kids needs going to be met? Or is, am I, do I like this person? Or I don't, where, you know, I don't, do I want to meet in that home or that home? And, and I just got to, you know, like, let me just be honest. When we were talking about this group, like meeting as a church, we, our, our group is, uh, if you're kind of new, South Bay Church, we've been around a long time and we kind of plateaued about our, in our size of attendance. And we're pretty spread out. We're people all the way up in El Segundo and people all the way down. So Peter's like, let's just make the group smaller. Smaller is better because more people are involved uh, more people can use their gifts. The Bible says everybody has a gift that, that the Holy Spirit gives us that we can use to build up the church. And when, when it's bigger, less people have the opportunity to use their gifts. When it's smaller, more people can use whatever their gift is to build up the body. So smaller, more people engage, and we can reach more people. Um, but, but my first thoughts, you know, I was thinking, okay, that we, we're going to have a, this new church. We're like, where are we going to meet? You know, what facility are we going to have? How are we going to divide up the sound? Who's going to lead worship? I can't lead worship and, uh, you know, preach. So I asked Ben. Ben had never even led a song before, but I was like, can you be my song leader? <laughs> you know, can, you, can you plan all this? You know, uh, but I'm thinking about all the logistics. What I wasn't thinking about was how can we build a community of love? And that's what I should have been thinking about. 
That's the most important thing. It doesn't matter where we meet. It doesn't matter what the sound is like. It doesn't matter what the songs are like. If we're not loving each other, that is the thing that matters the most, Jesus says. This is what shows the world. And so as we're thinking about these groups, how can we make this group a community of love? Uh, as we take communion, uh, let me give you a couple practicals and then uh, reflect on, on something. But uh, three practicals. Commit, invest, and express. Commit, meaning like if you're not committed to the body, if you're not committed to a group of, of people who love you and you're, are in your life, make a decision. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit to somebody. Maybe it's only one person. I hope it's more, but like I'm going to commit. I'm going to make a committed disciple relationship and invest, put time in, put effort into that, that, those relationships. Uh, how can I invest? Where your treasure is, your heart will follow, Jesus says. So how can I invest? How can I put treasure into this relationship? And express. I, 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 I hope that we become a more expressive group in terms of our, our worship expression to God, our expressiveness to each other. Some of us are really good at this, and some of us are really bad at this. I would put myself in the bad at this category by nature. I'm quiet, I'm reserved. People, in, in, when I was in high school, would always make jokes about if I was stoned or asleep, or, you know, because I was just like, hey. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm trying to learn to be more expressive. But it doesn't come natural to me to say like, oh, Brian, you are so awesome, Brian. I appreciate how hard you work. Man, working long hours to support your family, raising your kids, reaching out to the yams. Your house is always open. You are doing a great job. I appreciate you, Brian. So I had to make up for before. <laughs> but that was all genuine. You know, like, we don't think about that. You, you read the letters of Paul. He's so expressive. He's, My heart longs for you. I just want to be with you, Paul says. Man, I, when's the last time I said that? Rick, my heart longs for you. It feels weird, you know? Ooh. That was Paul in the Bible. So I hope we can become more expressive. Uh, as we take communion, you know, when you look at the, with the commitment of Jesus, when you look at the community of love we're supposed to, to be, if you don't feel like, wow, I'm falling short, then you're probably not really thinking about it right. <laughs> because if you really look at the Bible, you're like, oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus is so much better than me. Like, I have such an upward call. Uh, I, need to, I need to take it deeper. I mess up all the time. You know, like this sister, I, I got angry with this sister over the phone, you know, this last week, and I got frustrated, you know, because, and I, I told her, I'm like, I'm frustrated, and she's like, she tried to help me through it, and I'm like, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't want to get be somebody that gets frustrated or gets angry. I don't want to be somebody that, that's lustful. I don't want to be somebody that's prideful, and yet those are the things that come in and attack us. And uh, I didn't have time to, to look at it, but read on your own, 1 John 2, verse 15, what followed. You know, the lust of the eyes, the deceitfulness of wealth, I mean, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what we have and do. Those are things from the world that try to attack our fellowship, that try to separate us from each other. And so when we take communion, it's, it's a great time to hit the reset button and go, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that I don't have to be perfect because Jesus was already perfect. Thank you that when I waver in my commitment, Jesus has already been perfectly committed. Thank you that when I blow it in my relationships in anger or lust or pride, that Jesus made it all the way through and he can relate to my failings. 
and, 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 and you, can, you can hit the reset button and recommit yourself and, and know that there is grace, you know, because of what he did on the cross for us. So let's meditate on that as we uh, take communion. God, thank you for this opportunity to get to, to gather as a body, to remember Jesus, his body and blood given for us. I uh, pray that we can continue to work on our relationships with one another. I pray we can continue to grow in our, the framework of commitment that we're building here. I pray that you would work through us and use us. And um, we are imperfect vessels, God. Every one of us, we fall short. When we look at Jesus and who he was and how he loved people, I know all of us have so far to go, but thank you that you forgive us uh, by Jesus' body and blood, that we can uh, start afresh right now, God, that we can have all our sins uh, continually cleansed if we're a, a baptized disciple and walking with you, God, that, that you, it's a continual fountain. And, and thank you for this time to remember that and reflect on that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.